Because at the end of the day, YouTube wants watch time. They want people to stay watching as long as possible. And so when your channel is bringing people in and, and keeping people on the platform, they're going to send more people to your, to your channel. It's just the algorithm is predicting who to put those videos in front of to get them to your channel. Hey, investors, you're listening to the Investing to Win podcast, the show dedicated to empowering investors to achieve financial freedom and live your best life. This show is committed to offering honest conversation between investors, common sense strategies, real-time market updates, and professional guidance to achieving financial freedom. Investing doesn't have to be super hands-on or complicated. We are all about passive investments with real gain, so you have freedom of time and money. Your host is none other than Garrett Wong, who brings decades of experience in buying, renovating, and managing cash flow investment properties. Thanks for being here and get ready to invest to win. Hello, investors. This is Garrett Wong, your host of the Investing to Win podcast. Today, I'm pleased that we have Meredith Marsh in our studio, who is going to be talking to us about YouTube. Meredith, how are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So why don't we uh, get into the intro a little bit? Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? What's your story and your background? Well, so I started a YouTube channel kind of as an experiment and a hobby back in 2015. I had a full-time job. I had two little kids and I was just kind of interested in the content creation online business space. So I started a blog. I started a YouTube channel and just to see where it would lead. So by the end of the first year, I had like 2000 subscribers on YouTube. So I just kept going with it and I kept growing. And now I mainly focus on helping other like personal brands and online businesses look good, sound good, and feel good on camera so they can build their thriving businesses with YouTube. Okay. Interesting. So what was the initial content that you were producing back then in 2015? <laughs> Initially, I started creating tutorials on how to use a GoPro camera which was uh, sort of a new, it was, it was a new brand at the time, the GoPro brand, and everybody out there was um, like snowboarding and jumping out of airplanes. And, you know, it's an action camera. They were surfing. And I was like, well, it's a great family camera. So I'll put that little spin on it. So it was really how-to and tutorial type of videos of using the camera and editing like fun family videos, essentially. And um, eventually, I just really liked creating videos. And, and I liked creating YouTube videos. So I just sort of did a slight pivot um, and changed in the direction of helping people who wanted to grow on YouTube and create video content from a business perspective versus like a hobby. Um, so it's changed and morphed over time. But that was my content when I first started, like how to make great home videos with a GoPro. Wow. Yeah, I know that uh, GoPro was huge back then. Do you think, like, obviously, I'm, I'm asking this because I brought you on the show, uh, because I have a YouTube channel, I've got uh, 600 or 700 subscribers after four years. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm taking notes here. Uh, no shame <laughs> in that. But um, no, like in all seriousness, because I wonder whether it's the content that drives the subscribers 
or if it's something like SEO or things like that. And you saying that GoPro was huge, maybe do you think that contributed to it or there's just other factors? I think it it did contribute to it. Um, it was kind of, it, it was like, I think just to put this into context, I think GoPro just released their GoPro 12 camera. And when I started my channel, I had the three plus. So it was early, it was early days for GoPro when it was just starting to kind of, uh, hit a more consumer market, like regular normal people were going out to buy a GoPro. So those people were going to YouTube instead of the user manual (laughs) to figure out how to use it. Or if it wasn't working right, like how do I do make it do what I want it to do? So I think it was good timing on my part of like, if I started that same channel now, there's a lot more people already creating that same type of content. So it probably wouldn't grow as quickly. Um, So it is good timing and good SEO and just having my own sort of personal spin on it, my own personal brand on it. Like, again, like I was a woman, I was a mom. I I quickly learned that in families who are capturing things on camera. It's usually the dad. It's not usually the mom. I thought I was just going to be like, I'm going to help moms make videos. And it's not the moms that usually do that. Like I'm, I guess in the minority of the tech gear nerd moms. Um, so it was, it was a combination of all those things. Plus having that like spin on the niche where I was a little bit different than what was already out there. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I wonder again, I'm in real estate. So I, I do real estate how to videos. Um, I didn't on purpose kind of didn't try to go with the algorithm. So I tried to keep it under two minutes or less. My, mm. my shtick was kind of a two minute or less video because I felt that people wouldn't want to engage for that long for a real estate video. And it's been good on social, but like I said, on YouTube, I mean, I didn't do this purposely to try to monetize, right? I just, right. YouTube for me was more of a storage facility of where the, the videos could go. Maybe tell me why you've chosen YouTube at those early days rather than, again, you know, people are doing this on Instagram now or other other types of medium. Yeah. Well, back then, Instagram wasn't what it is now. Like it wasn't a video platform. Um, TikTok didn't exist. So, and I was I was also, I had started a blog. And so I thought, well, it seemed like it makes sense. If I'm going to have videos, they should be on YouTube. YouTube is owned by Google, you know, all the SEO. It made sense. And I didn't realize when I started that people will subscribe to your channel and they'll comment and they'll expect more videos from you and they want more. And that's what sort of helps it grow and reach even more people. And so like initially I was like, oh yeah, this, like I did just what you described. Like, oh, it's a place for the videos. But once I started getting comments from people and asking questions like, well, can you, can you teach us about this? Can you talk about that? Or I'm struggling with this problem. Um, I realized there, there wasn't, there's an audience here and I don't think you can back in that time, you, you can really build an audience on Instagram 
with videos um, or even like Pinterest. Um, so it just made sense at the time. But now, even now, I would still say go to YouTube because it is owned by Google. It is totally searchable. And the content that you can put there is bingeable. It's not like scroll, 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 find something else to entertain me. It's like if someone lands on your channel, Garrett, they want to be there. They're interested in what you have to say. They want to watch all of your videos, whether they're two minutes or 20 minutes. Once they find you, it's like they're they're yours. That's that's your community. That's your audience. And it's all it's organic. It's to- just totally organic marketing. And it, you know, it is the world's second largest search engine, as they say. I think it's even more powerful than that with the algorithm outside of search because it knows all of our viewing behavior. So it knows who else to put videos in front of to grow your audience for you. So that's a great point. Um, I know what we call in early days, 2015, which was less than a decade ago. It's kind of funny. Um, yeah, I, I was not searching on YouTube and now I use it as a search engine because the majority of things that are in my life and my business, whatever, is I want to get the answer on video. Um, yeah. How do you feel that that has changed as well? I I don't know because, you know, to be honest, I do see a lot of people that say, oh, I can't watch videos. I, I have to read. I have to read the instructions. I have to read. And I think video is just so much more accessible now than it ever used to be. So like you said, now you know, I can go to YouTube for this. And so I think as more people are using video, creating the videos that people can then go find, um, it's just, it's more accessible for for searchers and people who want to learn something or, you know, find an answer to something. Um, it's also on our phones. Now you don't have to just go to youtube.com like in the browser. And so... I, I, I think it's more accessible, but at the same time, it, that doesn't mean that like humanity is all switching to like, oh, I can only consume this content if it's video. I think there's still, cause blogging is not dead. There are still lots and lots of people blogging and, um, you know, monetizing their blogs, generating leads for their businesses through blogging. That's all just written. And, you know, you, the YouTube search engines and whatnot, crawl those blogs and it's easy because it's text. So yeah, I think it's, it's, there'll always be room for both, (laughs) but I think video is more powerful because you make this like personal connection where, you know, you don't really have on text. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's a good segue into my next question I was going to ask you because YouTube as a marketing tool, um, particularly for professionals looking to expand their brand or business presence, what makes it effective in your opinion? I think what makes it effective is when you can demonstrate your knowledge and experience, your expertise in a relatable, personable way. And which doesn't mean you have to like hire a film crew and have them follow you around or anything like that. Um, I, I mean, I make talking head videos. I just sit here and talk to my camera or I'm recording my screen, walking 
my viewers through something, usually that's the way that it is. Um, so it's pretty simple in terms of the actual video that's being created. But <clears throat> I think for any any kind of profession, no matter the niche, when you can show up as an, not just an authority on a topic or a subject matter expert, but also someone people can relate to, and do you feel approachable as much as you can be approachable online? Um, I think that's the key to really building a community. So it's not just like putting out videos as a broadcast channel and hoping people search for the topics that you're talking about. It's having those people come back to you and see you as the authority that they want to learn from. And if you have, you know, there's so many different ways to, you know, quote unquote, monetize on YouTube. But if you're looking for leads for your business, if you're looking for sales of some type of an online program that you do, um, you can use YouTube to generate that because you're attracting that audience and kind of leading them to what you do have to offer. Okay. So I would, my next question for that would be, how do they find you then, right? Because... I mean, again, let's let's take me as an example, right? Three years, six, seven hundred subs. Um, I did my research, and I the reason I decided not to try to monetize, not to try to go over ten minutes, is because I saw that the most popular real estate YouTube channels out there and content creators were maybe only getting ten, twenty thousand subs, maybe if that. When I look at mukbang, right? Um, eating noodles in front of a mm -hmm. camera with millions of people watching. I mean, I, I don't get it, right? So yeah. speak to me about the different, you said there's different types of monetizing, because I only think of it in my mind that there's viewers, and then you get money for that. What's uh, what other types of mon monetization techniques are there? Yeah, so a lot of people, yeah, they they if they even know that you can monetize on YouTube, they're usually thinking of YouTube ads, um, which so like the mukbang videos, which, you know, if they're getting millions of views, they're getting thousands or, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month in ad revenue because YouTube is sharing YouTube's revenue with the creator. And so when you have a business where you're not interested in ad revenue, then you can essentially, and any, any business where you won't need people, you need leads, you need, um, you know, people in the door, so to speak. YouTube is great for that because YouTube is like creepily knows everybody's viewing behavior. <laughs> so, um, for example, if, um, if I went and watched some of your videos right now, having not watched any videos on real estate investing or anything like that, YouTube, maybe tomorrow when I open up the app is going to be like, Hmm, maybe we'll put this real estate investing video on Meredith's homepage on the app. Maybe she's interested in that now. And it might be from your channel because I watched your channel, or it might be from another channel. It's trying to find, it's trying to predict what I am most likely to click on and watch because it wants the watch time from the user. And so um, that's how you get found, like aside from people searching for something, if I did do, if you had a specific video on some specific real estate investing, I don't know, thing, and I search for that, I find you, that's great. 
but it's what shows up next to your video, below your video. If I'm on mobile, those are recommended by Google, by YouTube. Mm -hmm. And on the homepage, the next time I open up or even a week from now. So if you think about that's just me, that's just if I viewed your channel, but if a hundred people, a thousand people, a hundred thousand people found your video because they searched for it, now YouTube is like, oh, they're probably interested in the rest of Garrett's videos. Let's make sure they see them on their homepage and in the recommendations and, and get some more watch time. Because at the end of the day, YouTube wants watch time. They want people to stay watching as long as possible. And so when your channel is bringing people in and, and keeping people on the platform, they're going to send more people to your, to your channel. It's just the algorithm is predicting who to put those videos in front of to get them to your channel. Okay. I know that um, for some of my videos, and I mean ones that have gotten more than, let's say, three or 400 views, all of a sudden I'll go back and I'm interrupted with an ad. So I'm like, oh, does that mean I'm going to get ad revenue? But what does that mean exactly? I, I know it doesn't, but I'm asking mm -hmm. more of a rhetorical question. Yeah, so YouTube will put ads on your content, even if your channel is not monetized, meaning they're not sharing the ad revenue with you. So um, to be, so they call it the YouTube Partner Program. You have to have a thousand subscribers. You have to have 4,000 hours of watch time and like be in good standing in the community guidelines and things like that. And once you reach that, that's when the ads that do play, you'll get a portion of that revenue. And if you're not in the partner program, you know, either because you don't meet those requirements or because you chose, like, I don't want to be part of it, they'll still play ads and they just won't share the revenue. With okay. You. Fair. So let's get back to your earlier point. You've got my real estate video. Um, let's say I just put it out there. How does YouTube know that it's a real estate video? Is it transcribed into text and it's searching? It is automatically transcribed. Also, the title and the description will, um, I mean, those are kind of like the number one things YouTube is looking at, but it is also looking at the transcription. It also will look at the viewer behavior of anybody that watched your video to kind of, um, not necessarily to figure out what the video is about, but to figure out what, what what is this pocket of people watching this video? How could we make that pocket of people bigger? Because again, it's just trying to like get that watch time out of people. So uh, if you have, like you said, you have a few hundred subscribers. So if you publish a video today and it's not clear what the title is, and you're kind of talking about a bunch of different things in the transcription, YouTube will still kind of know, well, these, these hundred people clicked and watched it. So what, what else have those hundred people watched? What's the connection there? That's how they'll sort of, um, I guess in a way, sort of categorize your video to know who, who else to put it in front of. Okay. So let's, let's talk about content strategy then, because Again, I, I keep going back to real estate because this is a real estate podcast and we have a lot of our audience that are real estate investors who are going to YouTube either in the form of a podcast or you see them on social media in these short clips where they're, I don't know, showcasing a flip or something that happened in a rental property. How would you recommend to those 
uh, investors to, I don't know, prioritize their content or plan their content? I think the first thing you'd want to do is figure out who is your audience who, or who do you want your audience to be? Um, for example, are you trying to, um, are you trying to sell houses? Are you trying to get people to, I don't know, invest with you in properties or, so for, first thing is like, it's got to be audience driven. So if I did a video that's like how to f- like house flipping 101, I'm probably going to attract people who want to go out and buy their own house and learn how to flip it. So if that's not the audience that I want, or if that's not the client that I'm trying to work with, then that would not be the right topic or title for me to start with. So audience, audience is number one always. Um, and then a really great way to start creating content is just think about for your clients or the people that you work with, what are they asking you all the time? What are the common questions? Because that's what people are going to search. Um, and then you can kind of branch out from like um, the comments that you get on your videos usually are really great ideas for even more content ideas. Um, but really frequently asked questions is a great place to start because you already know the answers. You don't really have to do much research. You can just, you can use, you don't even have to use a camera. You can just use your phone and answer the questions as long as your title and description are clear and specific in what what exactly is the question being answered in the video. Um, that's a great place to start, I think, for um, for the, the the types of topics that I think your listeners might be interested in. Okay. No, for sure. Um, I can tell you, I know you haven't looked at my channel, but that's exactly how I started when I, and of course, I'm just like, I know it's going to be bad, but I just got to get on camera, right? So my little bit of a backstory here, I changed, um, I bought up my business partner, we rebranded, we had a 20 year old name that was number one on Google for the search terms, property management, Winnipeg. And I'm like, I just need to get out there. So I asked all of my staff, Give me every frequently asked question you've ever had. I don't care whether it's a vendor, an owner, a tenant. And I put those all into a spreadsheet and then I, I just banged one off, one after the other, right? Two minute or less videos. So those are the three, 400 videos I have out there. But now I've done a pivot uh, maybe eight, nine months ago where I appointed a director of operations to run the management company. And now I'm going almost full time back into my roots of real estate investing which like you said, uh, my actual goal, because I I speak about this with my social media coordinator, my goal is to try to attract people who want to invest in my projects, okay, either as joint venture partners, or they have excess capital, and they want a, a nice return. What would you say to me as a case study then, because those people probably aren't watching a how to video, they might be watching what financial videos, like we're trying to attract people with higher net worths, what would you say to that? Well, first, I'm I'm curious, how would you normally attract investors for your projects? Phone calls, people I know, local, right? But So you're just kind of reaching out, networking, like human to human connection. Yeah, I think it's interesting, because when I when I started the YouTube channel, 
I knew, and this is part of the reason I decided not to monetize, because I did that to try to attract people who owned property in Winnipeg, because we're from here in Winnipeg, Canada, because there wasn't any point in me putting that how-to video to attract people to our property management company page in Arizona, because we don't manage in that area. But now, literally, the world is my stage. It doesn't matter, because an investor can come from the States, it can come from Canada, other places, it doesn't matter, because they're just investing in me. So now, I find I'm personally struggling. I, I need to just change my, I need to shift the way I'm thinking about it. Interesting. Yeah. So what I think, and I, I don't know anything about real estate and investing or that market really. So, but what it sounds like though, is for you, YouTube might not be, it may not be a place where those potential investors would find you, but rather be a place where they can sort of vet you in a way. They can see, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's done this project and that project and this and that. And it's almost like a portfolio, but it's 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 a you portfolio of maybe maybe it's not all just this project, that project, but just he seems trustworthy. He knows what he's talking about. It's just sort of part of your brand, not necessarily a way of attracting those potential investors. Does that make sense? Did you know that there is a big difference between investing in real estate and becoming a real estate investor? People become real estate investors all the time. They get into a flip or conversion project or even dealing with long-term tenants. And they come back to us to tell us the same thing. It's like having another full-time job. I don't know about you, but that's not what we call investing. Investing in real estate is about having your money work for you in a way that is passive, consistent, most importantly, hands-off. So which one are you? Do you want to be a real estate investor or do you want to invest in real estate? For those that are open to investing in real estate and having your money work for you, listen up. Garrett Wong has spent decades helping thousands of property owners navigate the ins and outs of property investing and management through his award-winning company, Upper Edge Property Management. Their new division, Upper Edge Capital, is currently involved in multiple projects, from single-family flips to multifamily development. Are you looking for a healthy return on your invested capital, or perhaps becoming a joint venture partner? If so, go to www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest to book a time to speak with Garrett and his team to see if there is a fit. Once again, the link is www upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest. Now, back to the show. It does. Um, but where, I, where I'm trying to hopefully go here is, let's say that I'm, I mean, pick your, pick your trade. Uh, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a, a wealthy business person, I've got excess capital. What am I watching on YouTube? Yeah, that's a that's a good research project <laughs> for you. What are you watching on YouTube? I think um, there probably is room for videos that are specific to sort of around like how to invest in in property, how to how does that world work? So for somebody who does have that extra capital, maybe they are searching that. 
and you're the one that shows up. And so your videos are like, and by the way, I'm always looking for investors. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that could be one way. Um, and it's possible they may not be looking on YouTube for anything related to investing. Um, they might just be watching like, how do I change the oil on my car or whatever, like something fun or some hobby type thing. Um, so, but that, yeah, that is something, I mean, in any niche on any platform, you're always kind of asking yourself, where is my audience now? Like, what are they doing now? Where are they? What are they watching? What topics are they watching? How do I reach them? Um, so that's like very niche specific, but you know your audience and your potential investors best. So that's a little research rabbit hole that you can kind of experiment with maybe. Yeah, actually, you just had a light bulb go off in my head here for a second because, and I mean, my mid-roll on this podcast actually says that, you know, do people want to actually be a real estate investor, which is hands-on, or invest in real estate? So I guess what I am looking for, my perfect avatar of a, a capital investor partner is somebody that wants to say that they're investing in real estate, but doesn't want to get their hands dirty, doesn't want anything like that. So maybe those people are watching more how-to videos, more out of interest, and they've always wanted to do this. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, Garrett's asking for capital partners. That's great. I'm going to contact him, reach out. And then obviously they consume the rest of the content and go, oh, he's been doing this for like 25 years. Look at all these videos. Okay. They have a property management company. They know what they're doing. And therefore, it's kind of already like pre-vetting, like you said. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. So let's move on from there. Um, let's speak about audience engagement because you said once they find you, they have to stay there, right? <laughs> what would you say to that? Well, in general, you want to you want your videos to keep people captivated. And uh, I think there's a there's a big expectation of, of video creators that like I put my hard earned work, hard earned time, hard earned money, time, effort into this video. And it's great. It's great content. People are going to watch it. And then they'll go and look at their analytics and realize that on average, people are watching like only 10% of the video or 20% of the video. And they're missing all of this golden advice that you have in the rest of the video. And so you really want to create videos that capture people's attention in like five, 10, 15 seconds. A good like one or two sentence hook works really well. And then you just get right into it. You you get into the point. You can introduce yourself later in the video, which seems kind of weird. But if someone's finding you because they're look, they, they search for something, you've got the answer, your introduction and your like three minute spiel is in the way of them getting to that answer that they were looking for or the information. Um, and so a lot of people make the mistake of making their intros way too long before they get to the point. And so when you keep people longer on each video, YouTube is going to put that video in front of more and more people because it's going, it knows, oh, 50% are watching this video. Let's get that out to more people because 
this is going to bring us five minutes of watch time, you know, if it's a 10 minute video, for example. Um, so there's watch time, which, and then there's engagement in terms of comments, likes, people hitting the subscribe button. Um, but when you have comments that are, you know, two to three sentences long, you know, more than just like great video, thanks for sharing the info. When it's long, that's sort of an indication you're you're growing some type of a community. Um, people don't leave a paragraph worth of a comment with somebody that they didn't feel some type of a personal connection with. So when you have those longer comments that are um, either asking you questions or people coming back and saying, oh, I tried this thing that you said to do and here's how it went, then you know that you're growing in a, you're growing a community where those people are going to watch your video, the next video you publish, whether that was something, some piece of information they were looking for or not. And then you just are sending all these positive signals to YouTube. People like this channel. They like these videos. And again, that helps YouTube to know who else to put your videos in front of, which then helps propel the growth of your channel even further. It's like a snowball. I see. So answering comments then is critical. Yeah, comments... Yeah, it, it it's it's critical. I would say it's it's really. I mean, it's a personal connection thing. It's you know you don't you you don't want to just be a broadcast channel. You want people to interact with you, and then you interact back with them, and then they know that you interact back, so they'll mm -hmm. keep coming back. Okay, no, that's um, I I know I've seen some comments, but like you said, it's I get a lot of people asking questions. And then it might turn into more of advice. How do you prompt people to say, drop a comment below and I can answer your question? I mean. Yeah. One of my favorite ways to do that is to ask for a comment right after you said something that maybe you think is sort of like a key tip or a mind-blowing thing or something surprising, which you can only, as you're creating the video, you just sort of have to figure out, I, I, can, I think this will be the most mind-blowing thing for, for them. This tip is something they haven't heard before. It'll be, you know, shocking or something. That's a good time to ask for a comment because, and you just work it into your video. Like, hey, have you experienced this too? Let me know down in the comments. Or, um, you know, for me, it'll be like, have you, have you tried this camera? You know, what, what has your experience been? And people love to give their opinions. So if you can ask for opinions, what's your opinion on this thing? That, that, that's a good prompt to get people to people love sharing their opinions. So they'll, <laughs> <laughs> they'll just start typing already. Okay. No, great. Um, my next question would be consistency. I know that myself, I tried to be very consistent. I think I went three years in a row with posting a weekly two minute video. How important is that? Consistency is like, yes, is recommended that you're posting at least once a week. Some people will say, you know, you have to do same time, same day every week. Um, and I think the key to that or the reason why that is effective 
is then you're creating this like baseline for yourself. So if you did the same time, same day, every week, and then you have some video that like pops off or it just all of a sudden like is going viral, um, you know that it's not because you posted it on a different day. It's not because you posted it at a different time. There's some other reason why it's doing so well. And so, yes, your your subscribers can predict then like, oh, it's, it's Wednesday at 10 o'clock, Garrett's video is coming out and they'll be ready for it and they'll be waiting for it. Um, but also for you on the analytics side, you know, I've been really consistent And if you want to try something new, try like, you know, I think I'm going to start doing Sundays. For some reason, videos on Sundays do really well for a lot of people. I started doing them and I was like, okay, yes, this this does very well. Sunday mornings. Interesting. I don't know. I can't explain it. But if if you're consistent, then when you experiment, you sort of know what was that you tweaked and you can trace it back and just start doing more of what's working. Okay. So when you say analytics, maybe break that down for the audience. What is it? Where do you find it? YouTube analytics is inside of your YouTube studio is what they call it. Creator studio, YouTube studio. And it's where YouTube gives you a lot of data about your channel and about your videos. So much data that when you open it up, you're like, this is great. There's graphs, there's numbers, but what is it even telling me, right? You have like no idea. And so one of the best tips I can give about analytics is YouTube will tell you the most important analytics by what it's showing you first. So for example, if you open up YouTube studio, the first number that it's giving you is your views. I think it's views and then watch time. And then it might be subscribers and then revenue. And so you have multiple sort of pages where you can look at your overall analytics, you can look at your reach, you can look at your content, your um, audience analytics, whatever page you're on in the analytics, the first numbers that shows you is what YouTube thinks is the most important. So what YouTube thinks is the most important has to be what we think as the creator is the most important. We have to prioritize that. What what happens a lot of times is people will they'll log into their analytics and go, well, um, I only gained you know twenty subscribers this week, um, so you know that's bad. I need, I got to do something different. Well, your views is how you get that result. Like you can't just log in and look at the results, the subscribers. You got to look at the views. Well, how do you make the views go up? more views is going to equal more subscribers. So how do you get more views? Publish more videos, publish longer videos, Um, try to get a better click-through rate on your videos. So that's like your title and your thumbnail. Try to get more people watching either by publishing more videos or making your videos more enticing to watch. More views will equal more subscribers, which will in turn, no matter how you're monetizing, will equal more revenue for you. Okay. Let's um, put ourselves into somebody on the audience. They're in real estate. They're like, hey, I want to, whatever, pick your topic. How do they start? Uh, I mean, what's what's the first steps that you recommend for s- setting up a successful YouTube channel? 
the first place to start, like we talked about, is figure out who is my audience, what is it that they're looking for, searching for, what do they need to hear, and also put that in one column. In another column, think about things that people, maybe they aren't really searching for it, but you know, as the expert, they need to hear it. Um, because those kinds of topics, once you have and once you have audience, you have people that are coming and you publish something um, that they weren't expecting, like, and they start asking, do I need to know that? Is this a problem? Is this something I should look out for? Um, they'll click and watch those, even though they weren't necessarily searching for it. And maybe they don't even know what you're about to reveal in the video. But when you can make it enticing for your audience, it's kind of like, um, if you think about magazine headlines, you know, you like you, you have to open up the magazine to figure out what they're talking about. But the, the magazine front cover got your attention. If you like, yes, it gets your attention with a photograph, but even the words that are there, it gets your attention, forces you to open, um, and read or, or not just, you know, check out at the grocery store and keep going. But on YouTube, we want people to click and actually watch. So start with your audience. Um, I like to teach my clients to create what I call like a spider web. So you have this spider web effect where every, you create a video on every topic within a certain category. So for example, property management in Winnipeg. You would want to, if you were trying to get property management clients, if that was your audience, you would want to cover basically every possible topic that anybody with property that needs to be managed in and around Winnipeg, anything they would possibly be searching for and would be interested in to include like um, real estate taxes or um, closing or, uh, best, um, I don't know, best real estate brokers. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just making stuff up here, but everything they would be interested in, curious about and cover it because then you have that, uh, that sort of, uh, piece of the spider web, like literally covered like a spider web. So the people that, are watching your channel, maybe they watched it once or twice, plus all of the people that are that YouTube sees as related, like a lookalike audience. You want it to be so that they almost like can't go to YouTube without seeing your face, <laughs> without seeing like, oh yeah, new video from Garrett, here we go. Um, you want to just kind of cover every little nook and cranny of your niche as possible, but keeping it keeping it really specific and not bouncing around all over the place. So not like a video about um, property management in Winnipeg one day and then something totally off the wall, like, you know, how to install a home movie theater in your basement or something like that would be a totally two opposite ends of the spectrum. There might be overlap of the audience there. Um, but once you have, once the algorithm sort of has you pegged, has your audience pegged, you want to stick with that and use that and just kind of build on that and kind of build out that spider web. So they're all, all the videos are connected and the audiences, it's really clear who the audience is for YouTube. Okay. No, that makes sense. So let's say that I'm an aspiring YouTuber and I've got that out of the way. 
Um, most people hate the sound of their own voice. I know that they're probably going to hate themselves on video. How do you, how do you get over that initial camera shyness? Well, I think it would be sort of, um, I mean, everyone knows you just have to do it. <laughs> just like with everything, you just have to do it. I think, I, I know I'm not an on-camera person. I'm I, Obviously, I'm, a, I'm an on-camera person now. But when I first started, I, I, I'm not a stage person. I'm not a performer. I do not want, like, don't hand me a microphone in a crowded room. I will hand it back and not speak into it. Like, I'm not a public, everyone's watching me type of a personality. Um, and I think that's actually why videos and creating videos, I, I think that's the strength in creating the videos. You're not public speaking. You can edit everything that comes out of your mouth. You can record a video and say, I don't like how it looks. I don't like how I sound. And instead of walking away and saying, I don't like that, so I'm not going to do it, you can change it. You can fix it. Maybe you need a better microphone. Maybe your microphone wasn't placed correctly. Um, maybe it was something in how you're speaking that you can uh, improve or change or correct. If you say, um, a lot, that's a habit that you can work on breaking. You can also edit that out of your videos. So it, it's a practice thing. And I think you, if it's, if, if you want it, you'll do it. If you want an audience on YouTube, you just have to get over it and, you know, start, start doing it. Nobody was born knowing how to talk to a camera. Everyone just kind of did it and improve, improved along the way. Yeah. I think going into it with the mindset that the early videos are just going to be bad or yeah. not <laughs> as favorable as you'd want it to be. I mean, yeah. a friend of mine told me yesterday, you know, you're doing great with the podcast because this is, you know, less than a year old. Just don't listen to your earlier, your <laughs> earlier episodes. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, but no, I mean, I don't watch my earlier videos because again, they were, they were just bad, but I think I'm, you know, you just improve. So I think just the advice is just get into it, know what you're going to do and know that the fact that you can hit the redo button anytime that you want. Yeah. Perfect. So as a concluding question, because um, we're almost at the end of the interview. What is one piece of advice you'd like to leave with our listeners who are aspiring to grow their presence on YouTube? One piece of advice, be yourself, which is hard to do on camera. <laughs> it, does, it, it takes practice. Um, but be yourself, be as much your in-person personality on camera as you can be. Um, which is something a lot of my clients struggle with this. You know, we'll talk on Zoom and they'll be really bubbly and, and a, a lot of personality. And then I watch their videos and they're very monotone and they're sticking to a script and they're trying to make it perfect. Your personality is already perfect enough as it is. You want people to be attracted to your authentic self. Um, and so you can sort of balance out creating a good video that's worth watching. Doesn't have to be perfect, but if it's your personality and it's useful and valuable to people, then, um, I mean, that's really the perfect combination. Okay. Love it. Um, yeah, I think, uh, 
I think anybody can take that advice to heart because uh, you, you, everybody can pick up even on camera that whole fakeness, right? Like we don't yeah. have to turn into some anchor radio personality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I ask every guest this question and I'd like to hear what you have to say. Um, this is the Investing to Win podcast. How do you define success and what does winning look like for you? I define success as total freedom over my time. I think <laughs> freedom over my time to kind of do what I enjoy doing, which for me right now is YouTube and creating videos and like building the business. Um, that That's definitely how I define success and kind of making my own rules, um, paving my own path. And the second part of your question was about winning. Yeah. How do you, yeah. What does winning look like for you? Yeah. Winning looks like I got out of bed this morning, brushed my hair and came downstairs and got on a podcast with you to talk about something I enjoy, which is YouTube. Um, I didn't have to leave the house. I didn't have to pack a lunch. I just kind of, like I said, sort of paving my own path. So, um, to me, that's winning. I enjoy what I do every day. Um, and it's fun for me. I have fun every day. So I'm winning. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they always say if you're doing what you love, it doesn't feel like work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, great place to start. Or, sorry, great place to stop. Um, thank you so much for all the insight. I know that I've taken a lot away. Um, and I'm sure listeners have um, just want to Thank you for spending uh, an hour and hanging out with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right, take care. You too, bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Investing to Win podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of another investor, take a screenshot and share this podcast episode with them. Investing to Win is not only about helping you to win more, but win actually stands for wise, investors network it's where we help our investors build a hands-off portfolio and have passive investments work for them to see how you can potentially partner with us go to www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest to learn more once again the link is www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest all links can be found in the description below until next time